you pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there anything here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. Hey, Jesus said, and everybody knows this, you must be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Does that make you feel hopeful or defeated? Oh, that's a pretty high (laughs) High standard. standard. (laughs) I'm not sure I can jump over that bar. Well, no. How can we do that? What did he mean? And what is perfect anyway? And he commanded it. So let's find out today on on More Than Than Ink. This is More Than Ink. Welcome to our dining room table. I'm Dorothy. And I'm Jim. And we're just glad you're here with us today. We are are reading our way through Matthew 5, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And last week we were talking about Jesus begins his commentary on the law by drilling deeper than just external behavior, right? He says, you know, unless your righteousness exceeds Exceeds. that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you're not getting into the kingdom. And he proceeds to speak like a king. With great authority. With great authority, yeah. You've heard it said, but I but say... But I'm telling you. And you have to understand, that was a very unusual speaking thing for someone right. to do. Because normally... Uh, you would say something, and then you would start quoting an endless list of other great thinkers of history, and you know, right. usually rabbis. Other authorities. And you know, so-and-so says, so-and-so says, so-and-so says, and that's how you proved your case. But instead of Jesus saying, so-and-so says, he says, I say. It's a it's very presumptive authority. And they will they will actually make a comment of that at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, saying, you know, I saw authority here, which yeah. I haven't heard before. Well, Jesus actually even makes reference to that in, in a couple of the things we're going to talk about today, about when he says, you know, you've heard it said to the ancients of old and the, the commentaries right? and the commentaries they also yeah, yeah, they yeah. added and yeah. you know, so we'll get to that when we get there but <laughs> so jesus isn't putting away any of the law no he's saying the law is the law and nothing's going to change in it not one jot or tittle everything's going to be the same but let's just dig a little deeper here and you know we brought up the idea last time that the, the law is really not just about behavior but behavior your behavior does betray the state the state of your heart and uh, the issue with the law is the state of your heart. We talked about being having your heart circumcised. Right. So, uh, so, and we also talked about this in terms of as he's as defining the law here and expanding the law about the fact that bad behavior, like murder, that's the end of a process. The beginning of the process is your heart being wicked and and hateful and angry. So, so when he's talking about exceeding the righteousness, we're talking about this process of sin where it starts, where it begins, and where it ends. The end being your action, but the begin upstream is a wicked heart, and that's where Jesus is going to dwell today when we talk about the different behavioral aspects of the law. And he has made this audacious comment in in uh, five, where does he say it, in verse 17, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill, fulfill it, it, right? Fulfill to it. walk in complete obedience, both right, externally right. and internally, and even fulfill the demands for a sacrifice for sin. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, that like what what good thinking Jew would say, I'm fulfilling the law completely. Because right. it's a claim to say I do the law perfectly too. Right. Well, Paul actually made that claim at one point. <laughs> <He> did. I <laughs> did the it Lord all. taught him better. I did it all. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So there's some very bold things being said here. And a lot of people who are critics of the Bible, critics of Jesus say, well, I don't mind the fact that he's a good teacher. 
Well, okay, you read this, you go, he's more than a good teacher. He's making some very bold claims about authority in how he's saying well, it. Well, no wonder he attracted an audience. That. Because even these days, if somebody says something that the, that people regard as outrageous, yeah, they yeah. start talking about it immediately, and then they want they tune it up and hear some more. Yeah, right. Right. So uh, that's kind of what Jesus was doing here. But I say to you, but okay. I say to you. Well, let's continue Let's on get that. on it. We went through a bunch. So we're, we're coming into chapter 5 at verse 33. I guess I'll read for okay. it. Can I read? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll read. So uh, uh, a new portion, a new portion of the law. Let's talk about. So thirty-three. Okay, again, again, you've heard that it was said to those of old, "You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn." But <laughs> I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's the throne of God, or by earth, for it's His footstool. Or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, uh, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Huh. This is important. Don't don't make <laughs> promises you can't keep. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it occurs to me, people who... People who add an oath on to making a promise are people who are probably not well known for keeping their word. Well, right, because they have to make some extravagant promise. Because they got to attach it to something else because you can't really trust what I say. Oh, no, you know, cross my heart and hope to die. Right. Which is like, may God strike me dead if I don't do this. Well, no, why don't you just do what you say you're going to do? Exactly. Yeah, and so that's what he's getting to. He's getting to deep issues of integrity in terms of who you are and what you say. Well, how many times do you hear somebody say, well, by God, I swear. I'm like, well, you are not God. Are you calling down the righteousness and faithfulness of God in order to witness to your faithfulness? Yeah, almost like like God endorses what I'm going to do. And God does endorse. In fact, this is a, there's a hint of this also in the Ten Commandments when when he talks about, you know, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You know, so at least the Jews at the time of Jesus knew that if they're going to do something and they had to add an oath to it, you don't swear by God because that seems to violate one of the Ten Commandments. So they don't do that. But we'll, uh, you know, we'll attach something about what he's made. We'll, you know, we'll we'll talk about heaven. We'll you know? swear by heaven. We'll swear by earth. We'll swear by Jerusalem. And and in another right. passage, we'll swear by the temple. Yeah, right. right? right. <laughs> Which God allowed to be torn down stone from stone. Yeah. So so it's like it's like God standing above us making these oaths, saying, you know, you don't have any right over these things. Right. Why do you say? Why do you make a promise and then invoke all these things? and think in some way that's going to endorse from my throne what you're saying or your ability to carry through in your promise. No. In fact, you look kind of silly. You look like someone whose word isn't worth anything. So you got to pull in all these other things that are going to make your word happen. That's just kind of nutty. So Jesus very clearly at the end says, look, here's my advice to you. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. That's how it's written in other translations. And so just make, you know, and you know people in your life who have great integrity. I mean, what they say is what they do. They're not two different things. They're not hypocrites in that Mm -hmm. particular sense. And so when they, when they give your word about doing something, you know, you just stand there and go, hmm. Okay, it's going to happen. Well, that's because God's word is concrete. And whatever God says becomes reality. Yes. So if we are known as people who are like our Heavenly Father, which is kind of where Jesus is driving. That's what he's getting to. uh, He's saying, you know, let let God's word dictate reality for you. You don't need to add anything to it. Right. And so if you are a son of the Father, which means you're going to exhibit the same traits, the same same heart traits, same characteristics. And when God speaks, things happen without 
fail. Mm -hmm. Well, then when you speak, they should happen without fail if you are actually a son of the Father. And the only way we can say that is if something God has already said. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, you know, we live in a world today, as they did in that time, you know, whenever you have fallen people around who they, they twist and deceive, they'll say one thing and do something else uh, for their own selfish purposes. And you just get sick and tired of people saying one thing and not carrying through and actually deliberately deceiving. Oh, yeah, I'll do this. Trust me, you know, I'll do this. Well, you know, case in point is when you, uh, and they, now you can do it on any book you choose, but when yeah. you go to testify in court, you used to put your hand on the Bible right, and right. then swear, I'll not only the truth right yeah, and right. then get in the witness stand and proceed to lie and lie which is a, <laughs> so you know those kind of oaths yeah. mean can mean nothing right right so he's saying let your yes be yes your no be no right. be like god your father when who when he speaks things come as a result the, there, there's a faithful follow-through well, in only reality speaks truth yeah yeah so, you know, don't take an oath on your head. You can't make any hair white or black. I mean, right. what are you doing? <laughs> oh, no. Cross my heart and hope to die. No. No. Just let your yes be well, yes. He says anything more than this comes from evil. Well, what is the evil? That's really fascinating. The That's a strong is, term. Is pride yeah. is a lifting up of self in the place of God. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's a really strong term, and that's why when I read this, I think, is this a big deal? But he says anything more than that. This we're talking evil here. We're talking yeah. evil here because it really is a claim to godhood. It is like I'm I'm a buddy with God, and I say right. this, and God's going to back me up on this. Yeah, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. That's why, and you know, if you keep that in the forefront of your mind, listen to the listen to the Ten Commandments when I read it. Okay, he says, "You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain." Mm -hmm. Vain means vanity, selfish right. perspective. For the Lord your, your Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Right. That's strong. I'm going to claim the name of God or to be acting in his name and then just do something that serves myself. Yeah, exactly. It's a serious deal. And yet in our culture, and I think in theirs too, is looked at as not like a minor aside. So what? So you deceive a yeah. little. I heard one, someone say one time that to take the name of the Lord in vain is to take God's name and apply it fraudulently yeah. to myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that really stuck with me. Yeah. <clears throat> but also the, the vain word right there in that Exodus 20 for the Ten Commandments, it, it means not only selfishly, but it means for, for, for um, for purposes that are yours, not God's. Right, that I are mean, opposed to God. If right. they're your purposes and not God's, then right. they are opposed to him. Yeah, so it's it's like that. That's bad. We need to press on. Okay, verse 30. <laughs> you want to read for us, yeah. 38? Verse 38. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, yeah. which is true. The scripture said that. Yeah, we'll come but I say to you, do not resist the one who's evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Mm. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you ah, ah. so if someone does you a harm let's say uh when we talk about when we talk about retribution or all that kind of stuff how do you return that harm and so he's right he, when he's quoting the old testament he's quoting out of exodus 21 and he's and you know it's let me just read it for you yeah please if there is harm then you shall pay life for life right eye for eye tooth for tooth hand for hand foot for foot burn for burn wound for wound stripe for stripe so you suffer you suffer harm and that that distinctive line in exodus 21 is to say you can't 
you can't over retribute. Right. Re, you know. It's a limitation. It's a limitation. So you can't, if somebody knocks your eye out, you can't go kill them. Exactly. And say that's and, equal. And that was payback. going on in their culture. It's going on in our culture today. That's right. I'm going to escalate you this. You heard me, so I'm going to kill you. So it's, right. a, it's, a, it's way out of proportion. And so he's saying, so that's actually a good, that's a good commandment in Exodus. But it doesn't say that you must that's take right. an eye that's for an eye, right. a tooth for tooth. It's, yeah. It limits the the retribution. Yeah. So it's really, the, the, they really took it for a different thing because they saw this as, not, as an obligation. You know, right. if, if someone, if you suffer harm, then you're obligated to return that harm in some kind of way. But Jesus says, this is not an obligation. You don't have to return harm for harm. No. In fact, in these cases, he says, you know, don't resist the one who's evil. So we're talking about people who are legitimately doing bad things. To you. To you. Not on behalf of another. He's right. talking about to you. To you. And that personal harm is a big deal because if someone was bringing personal harm to like a family member or someone beloved, you know, you would resist. But if they're right. bringing it to you you go yeah right so he's saying let's get practical he says so if someone slaps you on the right cheek which by the way there's a little bit mm -hmm. of physiology involved on your right cheek from a right-handed person it means that they're slapping you with the a back of their hand. hand right so which is which is just an insult it's just it's an, an insult. insult that's what yeah. we're talking about so we're not talking about physical combat we're talking about insult so if someone insults you grotesquely well then let him insult you again by turning your other cheek let him hit the other side as well so again, it's a it's a choice not to pursue your personal the personal insults that come from you yeah. and bring harm in in response to that, and uh, and it's interesting too. He says if anyone um, you know if they want to take your tunic, we'll give them your cloak. Well, that's a big deal because that was forbidden in the Old Testament. Uh, and I had to go oh, look this to up. to take someone's cloak? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because and in the particular case in Exodus 22, they're talking about if you give a loan to someone and they give you they give you a pledge is what they call it. Right. Like, I, I will give this back to you. They give you something of value mm -hmm. so that they'll know you pay it. Well, the pledge many times was a cloak. So here's what he says in Exodus 22. If ever you take your neighbor's cloak in pledge, like, I'll, I'll pay you back here. Hold my cloak and I'll give it. Well, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down. Right. For that's his only covering. And it is his cloak for his body. In what else shall he sleep? And if he cries out to me, I'll hear. I'll be compassionate. So he's talking about here the fact that this cloak. And, and Jesus is saying here, yeah, give him that thing which actually could bring you into harm overnight is you sleep out in the cold without a, without a covering, without a coat. So, and it doesn't say that he's paid back the pledge by no by nightfall. It just no. says, you know, that's a value and, and out of compassion, out of mercy. Right, right. And not really out of faith. Yeah, yeah. And it's you're asking a lot for someone when you basically take their only way of keeping themselves warm at night. As a guarantee that they'll pay you back what they yeah, owe. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and then after that, in 41, he talks about what Roman soldiers would do. You know, they, right. if they asked you to carry their equipment, you, you'd have to do it for a mile. He says, oh, don't just stop with a mile. Go two miles. Yeah. And in the process of doing that, you can transform what was what was an obligation where he manipulates you. It's an obligation. You can turn it into an opportunity for a free act of love. That's what he's talking about. So just go beyond. Go beyond. And, and don't refuse those things. And again, this is on a personal context. Right. If someone's right. harming you, you can choose to do this and turn the situation upside down. So it's not any any like uh, funny follow up that then he moves into loving your enemies. This is connected because yeah. he says. Now let's read on in verse forty three. You've heard that it was said, "You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy." Well, God never said that. 
Yeah. He, he said, love your neighbor, but he never said hate your enemy. He did, that's not in there. But yeah. I say right. to you, so that might be a place where the, the commentators along the way, the rabbis <laughs> had kind of added that. Well, if this is true, then that must also be true. Verse yeah. 44, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who's in heaven. Mm-hmm. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Yeah. Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Mm-hmm. You, therefore, must be perfect, yeah. as your heavenly Father is perfect. Okay, we'll come, back to, we'll come back to that statement. Yeah, we'll hold that thought. <laughs> <laughs> so you got enemies in your life, right? Yeah. And uh, and he goes back to Leviticus nineteen eighteen, mm-hmm. and I'll read it for you. You shall not take vengeance or bear grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So it's the gap there. He says, you know, you sh- you shall not do it in terms of your own people, in terms of Israelites. So they would say, well, then that means our enemies, like the Canaanites, right? We can abuse them. We all can we abuse want. them all we want, <laughs> right? And. <laughs> That's just that's just fine. In fact, that's that's actually part of Islam as well. You know, you treat the people inside your culture one way and the people outside a completely other contemptible way. But Jesus is saying here, no, 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 no. You don't do that. It's because God doesn't do that. Right. And he makes an excellent argument for how you can prove right. that God doesn't do that. And he talks about uh, sun and rain, which comes from God. And we're talking farmers mm-hmm. here. And they're saying, you know, our productivity, our wealth comes from the sun coming up and from the rain coming coming on our land and he asked does god actually take evil people and with withhold the sun and the rain from them and the answer is he eh, does no not. he doesn't mm-hmm. so so in a real pragmatic observable way god loves those who are even evil his enemies mm-hmm. by giving him the productivity of sun and rain that's an astonishing thing. He just pours out this gracious gift he gives. on all mankind, not because yeah. they deserve it, because they require it for life. Exactly. And God is a life giver. Right. And, you know, uh, this makes me think again, because I'm studying Romans. Paul says in Romans 5, while we were weak, helpless, useless, while we were his mm-hmm. uh, enemies, while we were still sinning, yeah. God sent Jesus yeah. to purchase our salvation. While we were still so, professed rebels Actively him. in rejection of God, yep. he loved us so and sent his son. So, uh, you know, Jesus, of course, may have had that in mind, but right, he doesn't right. say it here. He just says, be like your heavenly father who yeah. pours out this gracious goodness toward everyone. Toward everyone. Just because it's life-giving. And, and like you said, let your good works give glory to the father. When people see you do this... They'll say, man, where did you come from? <laughs> well, and how can you respond that way? Yeah. And yeah. then it opens the conversation because God the Father. Because God has been like that has with Has been me. like that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's that's our end to a culture that wonders well, where we come and from. And that becomes very relevant in our day-to-day lives, right? Yeah. Rather than throwing the garbage back over the fence that your neighbor threw on your side. And I'm right, citing right. a particular example in our neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that, yeah. Uh, uh, but... Uh, Pick it up, put it away, and throw a flower over the fence. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, don't give graciously because right. God does. So if you're going to be like your father, do what he does, which is he gives mm. lovingly to those who are professed enemies of his. Yeah. That's an astonishing, and that will indeed provoke a little curiosity in people's mm-hmm. part. Like, why didn't you strike back? Mm-hmm. Why didn't you bring retribution? Those people are vowed against you. Don't you know that they're, they're your enemies? 
Why, right. why wouldn't you strike back at them? What are you doing? Well, God treated me when I was against him and with love. Well, yeah. and then Jesus gives them an example that they all can relate to, right? Don't even the tax collectors do that. Yeah. Only love people who exactly. love you, what right? Everybody loves to schnooze around with their friends, <laughs> yeah, right? right? And if you only greet the people who are related to you or your brothers, the people mm-hmm. who have common interest with you, uh, what more? Even the wicked people, the Gentiles, yeah, the outsiders right. do that. Yeah. Which brings How are you any different? Brings me back to my comment of last week that God's purpose for us is to be distinctive. Right. And here he's saying, you're not going to be distinctive if you hate your enemies, but you will be distinctive if you love your enemies and you'll be reflecting the heart of okay, God. Okay. So that's when he comes to this conclusion. Therefore, because of that, you must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. You. I know you're just yanking at the bit to talk about that. So <laughs> well, go ahead. No. I'm giving no. you an open door. <laughs> what, what I think about is uh, there's in the culture that we live in here, the religious culture right. here, people will use this statement in verse 48 saying, well, if we're supposed to be perfect and he commands it, that means that it's possible for us to make ourselves perfect. And you better try really hard you by better keeping try really, the law. And you better do everything possible. But it means it's attainable if he commands us right. to do that. It's not it's not what he's saying right here. What he's saying is that God's standard of righteousness includes again your heart status as right. well as your behavioral right. status. So if you think you're in, if you think you're moving down the road toward righteousness from God's perspective, you're totally wrong <laughs> because you know, he's going to look and say, "Well, you know, you did okay in this area, but the the state of your heart still stinks." Right. You need to you need to complete the process and be dealing with what this you know what's in your heart and we already talked about before that when you talk about controlling your heart it's like well i throw my hands up in the air and i go how am i supposed to control my heart i hate when i hate i lust when i lust i mean these things just come out of nowhere well but still (laughs) but still god's standard of righteousness for the citizens of his kingdom is that not only your behaviors are pure and sinless but your heart is pure and sinless that is the standard so you need to be perfect in that sense as your heavenly father is perfect oh oh man so are we talking about being sinlessly holy when he says be perfect as your father is perfect what does that word perfect mean what does that word perfect mean yeah yeah well, this, he, he's just saying you're leaving out a huge part of the equation is what he's saying. Okay. You're not complete. So the perfect word means tell us. It means to get to the end so that there's nothing right. left out. He says, you guys have stopped short. You've left out. You're not at the end of the process. You're not considering the state of your heart. That's right, because issue. you have not grown up to be all that God intended you to be until right. your heart is also purified. Yeah. And that can only happen when God rewrites his law on our heart and places yes. his Holy Spirit inside of us to give us this internal counterpressure in our heart that yeah. says, but yeah. I want to be like God. I want to love like God. I want to love what he loves and how he loves. Right. So it's not a matter of redoubling your efforts to make no. yourself good. But now in the realm of your heart, it's not like having a New Year's resolution where you say, you know, I'm I'm going to be more loving and I'm going to start loving my enemies. You know, you're not going to be real (laughs) successful at that. That's not going to work out really well for you because the domain of your heart is a place that's extremely hard to control. Well, and Romans 5 says that only happens when God pours out his love within our hearts because of what he's accomplished for us. God does this. This is a realm that God is in the middle of. And and you're you're missing the total picture, he says in 48. You're coming up short if you're not if you're not keeping that in mind. And, you know, there was lots of lots of comments. You mentioned this last time about being circumcised in your heart, Mm -hmm. not just externally. Mm-hmm. And so God is God is very concerned about the state of your heart. That's actually the core of it. And that's what Jesus is saying here in 48. You've come up short. You're dealing with behavior. You're not dealing with your heart. Mm-hmm. Well, how am I supposed to do that? 
you know, throw your hands up to God and say, God, fix my heart. And that's what he does. And we own, that only happens through faith in the righteousness of God fulfilled right. in Christ, who became right. our sacrifice on our behalf. Right, right. So, you know, I would encourage you readers, if you want to read more about this, read, well, you could read all Romans, but start in <laughs> chapter three, where Paul begins to unpack, you know, but that by works of the law, no flesh will be justified. Right, right. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested. This is this is Romans three twenty one. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Believe. Right. What do we believe? Right. That His blood paid the price for my debt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That His death on the cross substituted for my own death that was due me because of my sin and my rejection of God. So yep. uh, Jesus is, is kind of setting the stage for all of that. Yeah. And remember, yeah. he said, I came to fulfill the law and to make it fulfilled for you. Right, right. And to, to amp it up just one more notch, remember when that the, that uh, guy came to Jesus and said, what's the greatest right. commandment? It was a trick question, actually. But Jesus came back and said to love the Lord your God, you know, with all that you are. All your heart. All your is heart is the first part, <laughs> and and your neighbor is yourself. So, right. so can you conjure that up? Right. Uh, no. And then Paul, when he wrote to Timothy, uh, in First Timothy one five, he says, "Look, the aim of our charge oh, is love. love. Is love that issues from a pure, pure heart. heart. How do we get that? And a good conscience <laughs> and a sincere faith. Right. So God's in the business of changing our heart." not just our behaviors. And the law is meant to indict the state of our heart by indicting our behaviors and say, mm. look, this is how you're acting. And do you know that there's a direct connection between your behavior and the state of your heart? And that's why Jesus says, when you look at people, you know, look at what they do, because that's, right. that's an indelible right. connection to the state of their heart. But it's the heart issues that are in, in measure here. So if you're only concerned with changing your behavior, You've not gone all the way. Right. We've got to be concerned about the state of our heart. So let me just offer one final thought, and this is from Romans 8. Paul says in verse 3, For what the law could not do, weak yes. as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Yes. Everything's different is. now. Everything's different. Well, I'm glad you're with us. We are out of time, and we're going to continue this marvelous look into the law. And uh, we'll do that again next time on More, More Than, Than Ink. There are many more episodes of this broadcast to be found at our website, morethaninc.org. And while you're there, take a moment to drop us a note. Remember, the Bible is God's love letter to you. Pick it up and read it for yourself, and you will discover that the words printed there are indeed more than ink. You ready to fly? <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to say, but we'll find out. <laughs> this has been a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City.